some of you guys have seen Survivor Man. Have y'all seen this show? This guy, basically what happens is they uh, take this guy and they drop him off in a remote location. He actually produces the show, everything, and he just all he has is a couple of cameras with him and the clothes on his back. Apparently in this episode he had some zip ties, which came in pretty handy. But his name's Lee Stroud, and he's a, a Canadian guy, and he's just this independent filmmaker who went out. Canadian, that's that's good. Got a, got a, got a, uh, what, what is it they always say the Canadians will they say? Hey, where are they? A A A. So he's a Canadian A, and he goes out there, and he's got his uh, his his gear. He actually doesn't have any gear. He don't take any water. He don't take any food, and basically goes out. and He's called Survivor Man, right? You guys have seen it. And he goes out. You know, this trip was it was three days, but normally he goes out from like seven to ten days, and it, they just drop him off in these remote locations, and he teaches you how to survive in case you know you ever decide to get in a plane and somebody drop you off in a remote location, right? Because that sounds like a blast to me. Actually, it does sound a little bit. Ex- Exciting, but when as I watch this show, Survivor Man, it makes me kind of think about life, and it makes me think that a lot of people are just like that in their life. Like they live life just trying to survive, just trying to eat what they can, just trying to get enough nourishment from the day, just trying to survive, and they're kind of locked into this mode. They're not really living. Come on, are you with me? And their 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 heart is beating, their 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 lungs are breathing, but there's no real life inside of them and 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 so what becomes the question of life is not not what i can do and can i have ambition or can i have great hope and instead the cry of their life can be if i can just get by if i can just make it if i can just make it in two weeks and then i'll get paid and then everything will be okay this is the drive of most of our society is not to be successful but it's just to survive and it all starts real good right it all starts dreamy and ambitious right it always starts that way, but eventually we get burned. Eventually our heart, you know, grows cold. Disappointment sets in. Discouragement sets in. And the next thing you know, we're fighting for survival day after day, going through the motions, just trying to live, make ends meet, paycheck to paycheck. So for survival, you know, a lot of people means they're kind of like hooked up to this machine, Right? You guys have maybe known somebody before that's been on life support. I've known people that have been on life support before, and they go, and they hook them up to this machine, and they're there, and they're breathing, and they've got a heartbeat. But how many of you know that that's not living? And they might be alive by definition. They may be alive because they're not in the dead column. Come on, are you with me? But they're not really living. They're not experiencing life. They're not experiencing all the things that they need to be experiencing. They're just living because they're hooked up to a machine. And I feel that there's a lot of people in the world that it's like they're just hooked up to this machine. They're just kind of living. They're just kind of functioning. They're just kind of getting by. They're kind of like zombies. They can't even really communicate very good. But something about them causes them to get up and move and function. But it's really like they're just hooked up to a machine. But I believe that God has so much more for our lives than just surviving, than just living paycheck to paycheck, to just having enough so I can make it through the day, or so I can have enough to make it through the week, or even if I can just provide for my kids, that would be awesome. But this is not the kind of life that Jesus promised us. This is just existing, right? We're just kind of like making it out of the dead column, right? So this is what Jesus says about life, because Jesus didn't come just to bring us life. He came to give us a different kind of life. It's a different kind of life, right? It's, it's not like life, like, you know, you have your life, 
And then you have your life after Jesus, right? I had 18 years of my life. And then after I was 18 years, I I experienced what life really was. I experienced a different kind of life. So Jesus shows up on the scene, and he tells this story. We're, We're familiar with it, most of us. John chapter 10, he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came to me, all who ever came before were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Oh, come on. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Then the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have came that they might have life and they may have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. So Jesus says, I'm the gate. Then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. Notice that Jesus is saying, it's not because it's my cosmic duty to take care of you, right? It's not because it's like in his job description of being Jesus to take care of the sheep, right? I mean, he could have just been a hired hand, like it's in his job description to take care of the sheep, but he says, no, 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 I'm not like, it's not because it's in my job description. It's not because I promised and now I'm bound to it because I can't lie. I'm actually the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and just as the father knows me, And I know the Father. Isn't it interesting that Jesus connected the relationship that he has with his sheep, his followers, the same as that he does with him and his Father? He said that we would have that same kind of connection that Jesus and the Father had, that we would have that connection with Jesus. Jesus says an interesting statement. I I studied this scripture a little bit this week because I was always interested in that part that says that those that came before. And I always assumed that Jesus was speaking uh, strictly about the religious people, that they were coming before Jesus. They were coming and they were saying, okay, these are the rules. Keep the rules and you'll have life, right? Keep the rules and, and you'll stay out of the dead column, right? Don't do this and you can live. Do this and you die, right? The whole law was kind of written and enforced by those. I don't want to do that. Why? Because I'll die, right? So the, so Jesus is saying that mentality, he was speaking of this, that mentality of trying to keep a basically live by a set of rules does not really bring life. It may keep you out of the dead column in a sense, but you're not really experiencing all that God has called you to experience. How many know that when Jesus came and showed up on the scene, he changed everything? He changed the entire system. He changed the rules. He really did. There were these guys, one of them was named uh, Theodos, and the other one, Judas of Galilee, uh, of Galilee or Judas the Galilean, and, and they're mentioned in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 36, and these were guys that showed up with ma- many different people before Jesus came, and they, cl- they showed up, and they were claiming to be the Messiah. And what they would do is they would go in, and they would get these groups of people to follow them, and then they, they would have these people follow them and basically take all their money, convincing these people that they were the Messiahs, all right? And so these people would give their money, give them all their savings account, those type of things. And then they would go in and they would destroy cities with these guys. And then eventually they would even kill some of their followers. So they were basically what we would know today as cult leaders, right? So when Jesus says, those that came before, they weren't 
the good shepherd. They weren't the gate. They were those that came, and they came to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe that when Jesus says that, he's speaking of the enemy's camp, right? The kingdom of hell. We talk about the kingdom of heaven as all that we have. Well, it's all inclusive of what Jesus is talking about, the kingdom of hell, the kingdom of darkness, not just the devil and, the, and his angels, but the, the, the demons and the people that that are not serving God are part of that kingdom. So here these guys show up and they're saying, follow us, we'll give you life. And then they end up destroying everything. So Jesus is like showing up on the scene to a skeptical people because they've heard this story before. And so Jesus says, listen, I came to give you life and life is most of us have it memorized more abundantly. In the NIV here, it says life to the full. Other translation says life everlasting. Uh, the, the King James Version says life more abundantly. And that word is parasos. In the, in, in our, now, we know the word life is the word zoe in the Greek, but the, the, but the word for abundantly is parasos. And the way I, I, I'm really bad with pronouncing things. And so yesterday I was sitting at my computer and I was listening to it. I had a study in the house because it was raining outside and I normally study on the patio. And I was saying parasocks. And I was, because I was trying to like connect with the, when Leslie was like, would you stop it? Like I said it like 15 times, I was getting on her nerves, I was parasauce, parasauce, because I want to, you know, bring a good word to you, and I want it to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about, and I'm at least halfway educated. So, but this is the word parasauce, and what that word means is it, it doesn't just mean abundant, like we think like more than enough, it actually means super abundant. So it's not just abundant. It's not just abundant life, what we talk about. It's like exceedingly abundant. That's actually the translation. It's exceedingly abundant. It's not just more than enough. It's like way more than enough. So when Jesus says, I come to give you life, he's saying, yeah, I came to revitalize your body. But more than that, I came to give you super abundant, ever-increasing life that I would put a seed inside of you and boom, you're a life producer. But what we do is we go, yeah, Lord, thank you. That's enough for today. And oh, just trying to get by with life. And hopefully nobody says anything bad to me and I lose my Christianity. And hopefully no high bills come in. And hopefully nobody's mean to me today. And hopefully I don't run into that person. And we live life on the defense going, I just want to stay in the alive column. But Jesus says, I got more for you than that. I came to give you life and ever-increasing, super-abundant, superior, excessively give you life. Exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure kind of life. It's a different type of life. It's an eternal life. And that's, you know, most people just know, oh, yeah, yeah, forever life. But you've you got to get this. In order for it to be forever life, it's got to have forever contained in it. And it's got to be unshaken by anything that's natural. That's good preaching right there. I don't keep preaching this till you hit it. In order for it to be eternal, it has to be eternal. In the sense of this, nothing in this world that is temporary can cap it. Because it's more powerful than this world. This world cannot contain it. This world cannot experience it. It's super exceeding abundant life. Not just, ah, oh, well, I'll just look for another day tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow will be better. 
or next week or next year or maybe my kid's life will be better than mine. And this is where people end. It's a different type of life. It's eternal. It's everlasting. And let me tell you this tonight. It is ever increasing. It's a growing life. It's expanding. Listen, when God put his seed inside of you, it wasn't a seed that produces a tree and that tree dies in a couple of years or 70, 80 years or however long it is after you receive what Jesus did for you. No, it is something that will last forever. It is a seed that goes inside of you that you will pass along to, the ch- to your children, that you will pass along to people at Walmart, that you, <laughs> come on. I am, I'm believing God for a new website, people of Walmart. People that have received the ever-expanding gift of life that flew through somebody and impacted their life. Come on. So Jesus has given you more than enough to sustain you, but to sustain the culture around you, to sustain the discouragement around you, for not only for you to receive life, but for you to give life. So I'm here to ask you tonight, are you surviving or are you thriving? Because God never created you to just survive. He didn't drop you off in a remote location. And give you a certain set of skills so you could live until the plane comes back. No, he gave you everything you need. And more than enough, exceeding abundant. I love the scripture that says we are living stones. We're stones, we're solid, but when you look at a rock, rocks are solid, but they're dead, right? Right? So Jesus said, you're living stones. You're rock-solid living. We're not stones. We're living stones. Listen, you were created for abundant, overflowing life, that you would have life and that you would give life. This is your nature in Jesus, that you would have life and give life. Most people stop with the have life. That's survival. Oh, Jesus, I... When I came to the Lord, I loved the Lord when I was six years old. The end. That's the life. More than that, I've impacted cultures and nations. Not because I'm so great, because God put an eternal seed in me that's exponential in nature. And it doesn't just go in you and produce in you. It produces in and out of you. When Jesus said that, that he was going to put a well of living water in you, a well spring of living water, and we talk about this a lot in John chapter 7, verse 38, he said, I will put in you wells of living water. We go, I have the living water. You do have the living water. Jesus is the living water, but he didn't say, I came just to give you living water. He said, I came to put in you a well, that you would become a wellspring, that you would thrive, that people in your culture, that people are in your community, that people are at your workplace will come to you to drink. That's why they show up at your desk. That's why they're coming there and talking to you every day because you have something pouring out of you that makes them feel better. So I encourage you, no matter how bad somebody does you, that you give them life because the reason why they're doing you wrong is because they got it all wrong because they're jacked up. So they don't need someone to correct them. They need someone to restore them. They need someone to heal them. They need someone to breathe life into them and encourage them and show them what life is. This is what Jesus has given you, not bitter water. So listen, when somebody does something 
to tick you off. Don't give them bitter water. That's devil water. That's destructive. That doesn't help. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, the problem with you is that you're so self-centered. And it's all about you. You are a life source. You are a well of water. Pouring. You're not a survivalist. You're a revivalist. You are revival. People talk about revival. Man, we're going to have revival. And what they're saying is they're saying, oh, there's going to be like this movement of God that comes and we're all going to go to the meeting. Right? That's what we, talk, that's what we think when we think of revival. I think it's awesome. I want to be at the meeting. I want to have the meeting. I want to host the meeting. We're, we're having those meetings. I want to be there. But that's not what revival is. Revival is when something is dead and comes alive. So see, you need revival? Yeah, because you were dead, but you are revival. You've been revived. You have revival. You have the water. You have what our culture needs. You have what those people at work that piss you off every day needs. You have it. Maybe you need to remember that you have it. You just say that. I did. But the reason why they keep coming to you is because there's something in you that's different than everybody else around them. And are you going to give them Jesus or are you going to give them a bad taste in their mouth of who Jesus is when in reality you're not representing him properly? Listen, when you thrive, you revive. It's just the way it is. And if you're not thriving, you need reviving. If you're not thriving, you need reviving. And if you're thriving, you are reviving. Come on. It's like we got the supernatural, what do they call those paddles? Those paddles that they take into the ER, what do they call those things? Defibrillator. That's a terrible word for it. That's, that's what you have in the spirit. That's what your hands are, right? The paddles of life. That's what you have in your hands when you get around the dead. You don't need to correct them. You need to give them life. That will correct them. That will, that will correct it to the core, not just their actions. Because what we want to do is we want to monitor people's behavior and try to deal with their behavior and make them act right. But it doesn't change the core of who they are. Even if they act right, do you care about them enough to see them transformed? I don't know how we're going there, but we are. When somebody asks you, how are you doing? Now, I know that there's like this movement for like authenticity, right? Oh, we just want people to be real. So really what we're saying is when someone asks us how we're doing, to not give the Christian answer, which is like, I'm blessed or I'm happy or God's so good to me. We're supposed to give a real answer that's like, my life sucks, uh, every, I'm miserable, serving God's really difficult. This is what we're supposed to tell them because we're being genuine. This is what books of people are writing saying that our answer should be. I've got a problem with that. Because what your answer should be is what your answer is. If you get it. 
When someone asks you, how are you doing, don't say, I'm surviving, or I'm getting by. I'm hanging in there till Jesus comes. You say things like, I'm blessed. I'm thriving. Now listen, you need to be real with people. Come on. You can be like, listen, you know, we're, we're having a hard time right now. You know, it's difficult. But man, we're so, we're so blessed, really. We're so blessed because even though our problems are big and huge and even though our debt is gigantic and enormous, our God is massive. Our God is huge and eternal. So listen, it's not a matter of how bad your situation is. It's a matter of perspective on how big is your God? How big is your God? How big is your God? So stop giving into what the devil wants you to say. My problems are so big and glorifying the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy and say, oh, it's just a run and say, get up and be like, listen. Listen, my God is bigger. It's difficult. It's tough. And then it's, it's stunk today. I was super discouraged. I didn't even want to get out of bed. But I did because God. Because there's hope in Jesus. Listen, I'm not saying that you act like you got it all together. Because you don't. I don't. None of us got it all together. But we have the one who does. And I'm telling you, there's incredible hope in that. And it doesn't get better than that. And it takes those tragedies to recognize how God big how big God is. It just does. It takes going through the hard times and the difficult times for you to recognize, oh wow, God is a provider. I mean, what if you never needed money? Well, God's a provider. My Bible tells me so. Right? I love Jesus. I have the scripture memorized. My God shall supply all his needs according to his riches and glory. Right? That means something totally different than when you're broke and God provides for you. And you experience that scripture. That's what we're talking about, the reality of Jesus. That's what we're talking about, encountering his reality. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about God actually doing it. Not just knowing it. Because we've known it for too long. Not good enough to know it. It's just a matter of perspective. Where are you standing? Are you standing on the side of the victim? Or are you standing on the side of the kingdom? Do you believe what the devil does? Steal, kill, destroy, rob, take away, make you sick, make you unhealthy, trying to teach you something? It's devil ministry. Listen, don't let somebody tell God's just trying to teach you something. Listen, God will teach you something, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I can tell you this right now, I've learned a lot more when it's good than when it's bad. I'm just being real honest with you. Now, it takes the hard times for the refining. Come on, I believe that God uses that. But God ain't causing that. God don't cause no sickness. God don't empty your bank account. That's devil ministry, steal, kill, and destroy. God heals. God provides. God reveals himself. This is who my God is. So stop talking about how bad it is and how much he need healing how much you need money if it were only this then i would be a faithful tither how about you do it now and then see the provision of your god and have a better story (sighs) i'm preaching or not so jesus John chapter 6, Jesus feeds like 5,000 people, right? We heard that story, like takes a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish, and passes it around. And then the disciples go around with these, these offering buckets, and they, right, KFC offering buckets. You guys know what I'm talking about? They go through, and they, they pass the buckets one more time at the meeting. And then whenever they pick up the fish, and they pick up the loaves, there's more fish and more loaves than there was whenever they started off with the little boy's lunch. You guys remember that story? So then we know that Jesus walks on the water here in, in uh, John chapter 6, and all these cool things happen. Well, and then John chapter 6, verse 26, 
Jesus says this. I'll tell you the truth. You want to be with me. So this crowd gathers around Jesus. He goes to the other side. I think that he's probably trying to get away from people, honestly, because Jesus is like, let's, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go. So he gets in the boat and he goes, and then we have this crazy encounter of Jesus walking on the water. And then Jesus gets on the other side of the water. And then the crowd, this is crazy, some of the same people that were at the last meeting that ate showed up. Where Jesus was, right? Here Jesus shows up and they like beat him there. Like, I don't know how all that worked, but they were there. And so Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. But don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Now, this is crazy. They were coming to get the food. They weren't even coming to like see the miracles, they were coming for the food. They're like, this is what Jesus said. I mean, can you imagine? It's like, Jesus, you just had an all-you-can-eat buffet of fish and bread, and we're here. We're here to eat again, right? I was going to share a story, but I'm not going to. No, no, no. No, no, no. I can't. Okay. So, but don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Don't worry about food. Why are you coming to me for food? Worry about spiritual things. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life so the Son of Man can give it to you. For God the Father has given me this seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Or they said this, they, in one translation it says, we want to do the work that God requires. And then he said, this is the work that God requires Believe in the one he has sent. <laughs> what are you requiring? Jesus, what are you requiring of me? Believe in the one he sent. Put your trust in me. Now that word in doesn't mean like in like tooth fairy. We talked a little bit about that last week. It means like in like what you're doing in your chair right now. That's trust. You didn't think about it. You just did it. You function there. You say amen to the sermon, all that good stuff. That's what Jesus is talking about. Believe in me. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us a miracle sign if you want us to believe in you. Like he didn't already, right? <laughs> what can you do? After all, our ancestor, ancestors ate manna while they were journeying in the wilderness. The scripture says, <laughs> let's start quoting Jesus' scripture. Can you imagine? Lord, the Bible says, Right? We're hungry, Lord. The Bible says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Right? I think that that's like right before the backhand. Right? Moses didn't give you the bread. I did. Smack. Don't you understand? That's what I would have done if I was Jesus. But I'm not, Lord, you know. Why well, didn't say that? And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. So he gave you the manna. Get your story straight. And now he offers you the true bread of heaven. The true bread of God is right here. It's the one who comes down from heaven and gives life into the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Just like they ate the manna every day, right? We want that bread. And Jesus replied, I'm the bread. 
This is where the bread is. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever comes to me will never think like a survivor again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever believes in me will never live paycheck to paycheck in the account of our life. Are you with me? We're not just trying to sustain life. We will never need again. Jesus was saying, I am the nourishment. I am the sustainment of life. You want real life? Eat up. Take of me. So how do we thrive and not just survive? Because I have days like that. Come on. I have days like where I wake up and I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that today. I just want today to be over. Ready to go to sleep and wake up tomorrow. And that day will probably suck too, right? That's kind of what we get, how we get, right? Because we get so miserable when we have those days. But how do we thrive? How do we thrive? There's just, there's just really two ways. It's real simple. Are you ready? Simple solutions? You want simple solutions? God's got simple solutions. It's just very easy. It's called relationship. How do you thrive and not survive? You have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I do have a relationship with Jesus. Well, maybe it needs some tweaking. So how do we thrive and not just survive? Number one, by hearing. Might be better to say by listening. Listen, God's fuel, God's voice is the fuel of our spirit. You cannot live, you cannot function without hearing what God is saying without listening to what God is saying. I love MMA. We're going to go to the house tonight after service and watch some UFC. I'm going to watch some John Jones bring some beatdowns. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. This is recording, recorded, so John Jones is going to win. We'll be doing some editing on the podcast. So what happens, these guys get in the ring, and there's this arena that has thousands and thousands and thousands of people in it, right? Tens of thousands of people, maybe. I don't know how many are in there, you know. And they're in this arena, and there's all these people yelling, right? You guys have been to, like, sporting events or, like, high school football games. I mean, it's loud up in her. So all these people are cheering and being loud, and there's a fight going on, and there's two guys fighting and a ref in the ring, in case you've never seen any combat sports and so we talk about survival and so these guys are scrapping and after the fight after the guy wins a lot of times he's going to say you know I was just doing what my corner told me to do I was just listening to my coach I'm like are you watching like the same fight that I'm watching because there's like thousands of people in the room yelling screaming going punch that guy in the face Yet he can hear and tune in with all this voice. He can hear his coach. Now, he's not just listening to his coach in between rounds and sitting on his bench. What's happened is months and months and months before that, he went into a gym, and every day he heard his coach talking to him, and he heard him walking through something. So when he goes to that ring, and he hears all these voices coming at him, and he hears all these people saying all these different things, he tunes
tunes into that one voice. He don't even listen to what the other coach is telling the other guy. He's just listening to what his coach is saying, and he can tune out all the voices because he's heard that voice time after time after time again, and he can bring a stillness to where he's at, and it's just him, the guy he's fighting, and his coach in the ring. And listen, no matter what our obstacle is, no matter how loud the voices of this world are raging or discouragement is coming in and it is the enemy saying this and the accusers are saying this and the devil saying this and the negativity saying this and the statistics are saying this and the government saying this, you can go, I'm listening to my father. I've been training with him and this is the fight and I know his voice. And when Jesus said that, I believe it was something very similar. He said, my sheep know my voice. There's a communication. They, they know what I'm saying. They don't recognize the voice of the enemy. They recognize my voice. They're my sheep. They know my voice. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4. The enemy comes to him to accuse him, right? Battle time, right? Not just accuse him, but to tempt him, Right? to try to get him to fall, try to prove that he was not the Messiah. And we know that every one of those times, what did Jesus say? What, what did the enemy question, first of all? He always questioned Jesus' identity. He always questioned who he was. And Jesus always answered the word of God. Always answered the word of God. So the enemy comes at him and throws the word of God at him. Right? Interesting. Interesting. But Jesus knows the ways of God, not just the word of God. And then he says this to the enemy, because the enemy offers him bread. Here, eat. You're hungry? Eat. You're fasting? Here, eat. And he says this, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Listen, in order to survive, in order to thrive, we've got to be listening. We've got to be hearing what God says, because we don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 63. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Jesus hanging out with his disciples, the apostles, and people start leaving. People are like, oh man, this thing with Jesus is getting kind of crazy. People are going to start killing us for following Jesus. So they abandoned ship. And his disciples are hanging out with him. And Peter's there, of course. Peter's always there. Peter's not perfect, but he's always there. That's why he transformed the world, not because he was flawless, because he did some stupid stuff. But he was there. He was there for that long time. But then he came back. Right? So there's Peter, and he's standing there, and Jesus goes, are you guys going to leave too? I think that when Jesus said that, I think his feelings were hurt. He's like, so what, guys? Are going to take off like everybody else did? You guys ever felt like that before? Well, are you everybody else gonna so here's Jesus in this moment, right? Vulnerability. He's like, guys, listen. My feelings are really hurt. Everybody's sleeping. Are you going to leave too? And then Peter says this, Lord, to whom should we go? Where, where are we going to go? We're going to listen to the other guy's corner? You alone have the words of life. You have the words of life. Listen, if we want to thrive, we've got to learn to hear and function from what God is saying.
And there's several ways that God speaks. I'm going to run over this real quick. First of all, God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word. His word is foundational. It's flawless. It's unadulterated. It is the grid for hearing. It gives us understanding of God's ways. That way when God speaks to you, you know it's God. Why? Because you have an understanding of how God speaks because you've been in his word. Or the Holy Spirit reminds you of what the word is saying. But if you're not in that word, you don't have it in you, then it's not going to come out of you and you're not going to thrive. You don't get it. Another way that God speaks is through God's servants, friends of ours that love Jesus, right? People that love Jesus, God speaks through people. He speaks through me, he speaks through you, he speaks through other people. This is the way God speaks. God speaks through revelation, right? When you're reading the word and all of a sudden the word comes alive or you see a sign and you're like, oh my gosh, revelation, right? God speaks through visions. Visions are kind of like a movie, but you're in it, <laughs> right? It's like watching a movie and you're in the movie. That's a vision. Then there's dreams. It's like a movie when you're sleeping, right? These are ways that God speaks. God speaks through life situations. Come on, he don't cause all situations, but he will speak through them. So those are a few ways that God speaks. So we thrive by hearing and also we thrive by following. Or you could say obeying. By following. Where else can we go, Lord? Sheeps follow sheeps. It's just sheep, right? It's sheep. Just sheep. Sheep follow sheeps. Remember sheeps. <laughs> Get me an education, right? Sheeps follow. Sheeps follow the shepherd, who is a good shepherd and leads to abundant life. Sheep follow. That's what they do. They don't have to be told to follow, right? They just follow. Why? Because that's their shepherd. They know that he's not going to steer them wrong. They just follow. Sometimes they do something stupid, then they get helped out. They get in line. I love this. John chapter 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. This is so funny. I love this. Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I don't like that, right? I mean, he's like hanging out and he's like, hey, Lord, you hungry? You want something to eat? And he's like, I've got food you don't even know anything about. Who got the Lord's food to eat? Do you somebody go get you something to eat? Somebody other than your disciples give you something to eat? Somebody else here, Jesus, and we don't know about it. What's going on? What are we doing? I'm telling you, we got food. I didn't eat any of that food, right? You know what I'm saying? That's a funny how they felt right here. <laughs> it's so funny sometimes. I love the word. And then he says this. Hold on, guys. Relax. I'm being figurative here. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you want to thrive? Follow. He's the good shepherd. He leads 
the good path. He's the gate. He provides a good way. It's a good way, but you've got to follow it. It might be scary at first, but it's the only way you're going to thrive is to live how you were destined to live. You've got to follow. You're not going to experience it by just going, yeah, it's good. You've got to follow. Let me just say this to you tonight, because I know that when we talk about hearing God's voice, for me, a lot of times I'm like, people say that, and I get all kinds of ideas, depending on the person and how they said it. Usually I'm like, yeah, sure. Right? Just being honest, I'm pretty skeptic about stuff like that a lot of times. But sometimes we get really frustrated, right? I remember one time when I was going to Christ for the Nations way back, you know, like eight years ago. 18 years ago. And I was interning for Pastor Scott Wilson. And I went in and I was going to Christ and I was hearing all these people, I hear from God, hear from God. I just heard God say, and I was like, man, I just ain't hearing God like that. Like, God ain't, God ain't speaking to me like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's wrong with me? Because I'm like in the word, I'm like praying, I'm like seeking God, I'm on my face. And I'm just saying here, like, they're like talking about like walking down the street and God said, turn right. And they're like turning right. And God said, turn left, turn left. And God said, oh, don't watch out for that rock right there. And I'm like, dang. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Because I ain't hearing God like that. So I went to Pastor Scott, and I was like, Pastor Scott, I say, you know, I'm like talking about hearing from God, and I'm not blessing in, and I'm fasting, and I'm not like hearing from God. And he's like, Josh, he's like, what you experience in prayer is what God's saying to you. And I was like, okay, that's good advice. But I remember being so frustrated at that, and he gave me some really good advice. He's like, man, just, you know, what you hear in prayer is God speaking to you. Follow the word, follow the word, follow the word. I remember being so encouraged in that, be like, oh, man, I'm not stupid. You know, I was afraid he's going to be like, well, you should be hearing God. But let me tell you tonight, it is not, listen, it is not your job to come up with what God is saying. It is not your job to come up with God with what God is saying. God is big enough and strong enough. If he wants you to know something, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. In fact, he's given you a canon full of thousands and thousands of things he said already that he's saying, won't you just get in there and see what I already said about that? Because he's probably, I'm probably a little bit like my heavenly father. I hate repeating myself. Maybe God does too. Maybe. I hate repeating myself. I had a pastor, a very wise pastor, one time told me this. I try to give you guys some practical stuff sometimes. And he said this, he said, he said, Josh, he said, if you're ever struggling at what you're supposed to do next, do the last thing God spoke to you. And I thought, man, that's a good word. Because if God wants me to do something different, he'll let me know to do something different. I don't need to go searching for something different. God's going to reveal it because he's a good shepherd. He's not, he's not a bad shepherd. He's not like hiding behind the chairs being like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> They're never going to find a way to life. Hey, God, is that you? <laughs> You're never going to find him so funny. They're never going to get it. They're never going to make it so difficult for them. That is not God. God is not hiding from you. Good night. So don't get so strict. I'm not hearing what God's saying. What was the last thing he said? Okay, do that. 
Listen, God is concerned about you following him. And sometimes following him might not necessarily actually hearing what he's saying to you about your current situation, but it might be following God's ways. Because it's a little bit different following God's voice, per se, than following his ways. His, his voice will always complement his ways. And so what we do as believers is, is we study the ways of God. How does God act? How does God respond? Listen, and as we study his ways and we make our ways his ways, something amazing happens. The will of God. So listen, the will of God is not something you need to spend hours and hours praying and fasting about. You just acknowledge God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge his ways, and he will direct your path in all your ways. In all your ways. So don't be stressed as fasting away. Yes, as praying away. Yes, but don't get so stressed out. God, what is When he wants you to know, he'll tell you. It's up to him to communicate that to you. So you just keep doing what you're supposed to do and function like you're supposed to function and live in the ways of God and be obedient and act like Jesus and function like Jesus and God will make your path straight. God will lead you and guide you. You don't need to be stressed out. Just obey Jesus. Obey what he's already said. Follow his reality. Making God's ways your ways puts you at the center of his will. So quit worrying about it. What if no hairy-legged boy shows up? Listen, if he's a man worth a dollar, then he'll seek you out. You quit looking, young lady, because you're precious to your father. And there's a man out there that'll be good to you, but let him seek you out. Relax. Follow his ways. It's not our job. Listen, I just release you tonight from stressing out. What is God saying? I'm just trying to figure out what God's saying. I'm just, just follow his ways. What is God like? He's loving. He's tender. He's merciful. Do that. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge his ways. And he'll make your path straight. And quit worrying about it, because worrying about it is not his way. I mean, no, God doesn't worry. He's not up there going, oh, gosh, I've been trying to speak to them 15 different ways, and they won't listen. Oh, right? Perspective. Hey, babe, can you come up just for a moment? What? Oh. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, when Jesus told us to pray, this is how he told us to pray. One of the things he says is, give us today our daily bread. You got to understand something that the Israelites had an understanding of bread. And this is showed the passage we talked about. As soon as Jesus started talking about bread, they thought about manna, right? We don't think like that because we're not Israelites, right? But Israelites at that time, they always thought about that because that was part of their history, So when Jesus says, give us our daily bread, it's very specific that he says daily because manna 
was a bread that had to be collected daily. You couldn't go out and like collect it for three or four weeks or four months so you didn't have to do work for three or four months. You actually had to go out and you had to take dominion over the manna every day, right? And so when Jesus says this, he's talking in this grid, knowing that the people understand this, our daily bread. This is what happens if you collected manna on Tuesday and you ate it on Wednesday, it'd make you sick. It had worms in it, become poisonous, the thing that would once give you life. And I want to encourage you guys with this tonight. Don't live with what God did 10 years ago. Don't live from what God did six months ago. Don't live from what God did last Saturday night. And don't live from what God did yesterday. Because today, there's manna for you. Today, there is refreshing. Today, there is nourishment. And you might not hear that verbal voice of God that we all want to hear, but I'm telling you, there is a spirit within you that bears witness with our spirit that comes alongside of our spirit and testifies of the goodness of God. And he is there with you daily to say, listen, here's my goodness. Here's my presence. 